Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, welcome back to Afro Verdict, where we delve into the heart of Africa's dynamic narrative. I'm your host, Victor Anakin, and today we are turning our attention to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, exploring the perplexing question of why the West has been largely unresponsive to peace proposals put forward by the Global South. In the second part, we'll also analyze the benefits of Russia's humanitarian shipment of fertilizer to Nigeria. So back in June 2023, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa led a group of African heads of state to Ukraine to propose the African Peace Plan, a 10-point proposal for how the conflict should end. From the other side of the Atlantic, Brazil also proposed a vague settlement solution which insisted on an immediate ceasefire and diplomatic talks. As we see the conflict continuing, it is clear that neither the West nor Ukraine have bent an ear to the countries of the Global South. Despite the seemingly sound approach, Western powers led by the United States and its European allies have largely ignored these proposals. And this, of course, raises a critical question. Why is the West seemingly dismissing the peace initiative from South Africa and Brazil? In this episode, we'll dissect the complex factors that may be driving the West's reluctance to embrace the proposals of these countries. We'll explore the underlying geopolitical tensions, the different perspectives on the conflict, and the potential repercussions of continuing to reject these peace efforts. So join us as we delve into this intriguing diplomatic conundrum and seek to understand the rationale behind the West's stance. We'll hear from Dr. Anna Bajo, International Relations and Security Studies Lecturer at Nkumba University, to gain a deeper understanding of the dynamics at play and the potential outcomes of this impasse. Then, moving on to more positive news, Russia has sent a shipment of fertilizer free of charge to Nigeria, and now the shipment is unloaded at the country's honor port. To explore the benefits of this aid, we'll be joined by Professor Emmanuel Remy Ayede, academic, Department of Political Science at the University of Ibadan. Stay tuned for thought-provoking and insightful discussion on the West response to South Africa and Brazil's peace proposals for the Ukrainian conflict and the pros of Russia's helping hand to Nigeria. Let's go. Dr. Abaho, welcome to the Afroverdi podcast. And as always, thank you for joining me. So on Wednesday, the 31st of January, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov noted that the initiatives of Brazil and African countries led by South Africa on the settlement of the conflict in Ukraine are not even examined by the West during the meetings on Zelensky's peace formula. Why do you think is that so? Probably it goes back to issues of power and who controls what within the international system. Yes, South Africa could be one of the leading African countries, particularly when it comes to political stability and economic progress. We saw May Brazil from um, the south of America, but the West has um, a deliberate tendency of rejection and downplaying the contribution of the global south to the extent that uh, even the peace formula, before the West seems, you know, so to speak, childish, um, as though it doesn't meet the expectations of uh, the developed north, uh, because. In the first place, the peace formula does not favor the interests of the West. It's talking about uh, withdrawal, it's talking about uh, no ICC for Putin, it's talking about diplomacy. And probably the West would have wanted to use power to you know, gain victory over Russia and bring it down completely, which would be an attainment of a mission. 
it wanted to realize 40 years back, but it seems the war is increasingly growing, you know, expensive, it's prolonged. Uh, it has taken a, a longer period than probably previously thought. And maybe um, the instrument through which uh, the West thought it would win over Russia, the instrument here being Ukraine, has not performed as expected. And so the dismiss of the peace formula by, from the African countries uh, by the Western world is a clear indication of how low African views are ranked within the global System. Okay, then also Russia has not once mentioned that the West is not interested in the peace settlement of the Ukrainian conflict. If African initiatives were ignored, does it look like a confirmation of the statement? Um, I think the only settlement that um, the West is interested in is victory over Russia. Uh, Because for the West, peace is victory over socialism, peace is victory over you know, USSR, peace is victory over Putin, peace is victory over Russia as a whole and its system. So uh, depending on how one defines peace, but if you're talking uh, about peace in terms of ceasefires and, um, 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 you know, negotiations and diplomacy, probably that is not the kind of peace that uh, the West would have wanted to see. So does the ignoring of the peace um, uh, settlement plan by the African countries confirm that indeed the West doesn't want a peace settlement in Russia, yes and no, Um, because the initiatives that have been advanced by the African countries do not match the strategies that had been laid by the Western world. And uh, no, uh, because the West is certainly feeding the, the weight of the war, so yes, they, they want peace, but they don't want peace in the way that the African countries are suggesting. Minister Lavrov also said that such exclusion from these discussions reflect colonialism and imperialism. Do you agree with the statement? And uh, what historical or structural factors could Lavrov be referring to? Yes, uh, I mean, right from the word go, the relationship between the West and uh, the developing world has been one of domination, has been one of suppression, um, has been one of demeaning and dehumanizing. So I do not think that the West sees anything valuable coming from one, the African people themselves, and later on the, the African leaders I think that uh, the Western world looks at African leaders as, you know, comedians on the international scene. Um, It's kind of, uh, you know, um, playing uh, a a game, you know, in a a theater of the absurd. It's that comedy where you want to laugh, but you, you nonetheless have to hold back the laughter because the story is sad. So I think that when these, um, um, the likes of USA, the likes of uh, France, the likes of, of uh, England, look at what the, the proposals coming from, from the global South are, it's uh, some kind, some way to say what contribution after all, uh, how much weight do you have on the international system? And, and so the, the historical rejection of, um, of the African continent and its peoples. And, and, and you know, black people in the diaspora is, is simply making um, 
a clear return uh, without holding back to the extent that even in terms of uh, uh, beyond Kara, even the ideas suggested for purposes of global order, which is in the interest of everyone, if not at least for the majority, is still rejected. So yes, I agree to the statement that it is a, it is a, a reflection of colonialism and imperialism because the West thinks um, liberalism, you know, liberalism in terms of um, uh, imposing its own political values and political systems on the rest of the world is what matters in this world. And also in imperialism to the extent that uh, the West does not think that anything bright, anything meaningful can come out of uh, the developing world. So they still look at the developing world as um, it still needs to be civilized. It still needs to be cleaned. It still needs to be taught what is right from wrong and what is left from from right. So yes, I agree with uh, Lavrov. Okay, you know, let's backtrack a bit. So what specific ideas does South Africa propose regarding the Ukrainian conflict? And how do these ideas differ from the so-called Zelensky formula? And why might they be seen as unwelcome in the West? South Africa, um, uh, together with the other African countries, you can mention Egypt, you can mention Senegal. Uh, they have, uh, well, for the biggest part, not brought out um, in, its entire, in, in its entire form the proposals, but majorly they are uh, approaching the resolution of the conflict from a diplomatic angle. They're saying if you can let, um, you know, Putin go go free from the ICC and, and you take back those, um, you know, threats of arrest, uh, they are saying if you can, uh, you know, have discussions, negotiate ceasefire, if you can have... Um, agreements signed and uh, the the conflict settled basically if you can approach this conflict with all other means short of war then it would be it would be possible so of course um africa is um is in the middle of of all this because um from for the biggest part of uh, of this conflict african countries have tried to remain neutral uh, but they are also under pressure um, each of the camps wants to hear the views and which side African countries belong to. Yes, South Africa might be coming out as one of the lead African countries, but also as um, a, a big member of the BRICS. Um, China has also given its view, yes, but uh, for the African countries, literally when China, uh, when South Africa speaks, one can uh, as well conclude that Africa has spoken, which is not the case, of course, but in terms of, of uh, influence and reach and uh, and power and meaning that the international scene, South Africa does certainly command much more power on the African continent. So in light of the proposals that South Africa has made, um, they, they still are unwelcome, like I mentioned earlier, because... You know, um, the West is looking at South Africa, like, what are you investing? What have you invested after all? Um, how do we recover our investments in terms of finances, in terms of um, economy, in terms of manpower, in terms of logistics? So, and that's why I was saying that for the Western world, the only piece that matters is victory over, over Russia, because victory over Russia would mean they now have a leeway, they have an open space 
from which they can, you know, make recoveries of the investments into the war. And yet, when South Africa proposes um, diplomatic approach to the conflict, it is simply saying, let go of what you have historically, what you have uh, put in, and, and you know, we, we move on. Let's let the past go and look into the future, which the West may not be ready to do, maybe at least not now. But uh, I think that the war is um, indeed draining the economies, um, it's hurting the the political, you know, um, you know, stability, political decisions, which would then influence the economic decisions. Of course, the economy also influences the political stability. So, if they have invested so much uh, of money, if they have had to send um, tanks and all sorts of weapons, that, that says a lot about how much has been taken out of the economy. Uh, in fighting ideological and political wars that sometimes surely don't make sense. All right, you know, speaking of South Africa, we see that the country is gaining more and more weight on the international arena. As an example, the recent appeal to the International Court of Justice regarding Israel would do. Don't you think that this tendency is sort of disliked by the West? I just hinted on it. Yes, it is. As you may be aware, when the African continent was joining the G70, um, the BRICS, um, the G20, not the BRICS, the G20, South Africa had already been a member of the G20. And so it took another about 54 countries to make the African continent to join the G20. So uh, in light of uh, question five, uh, the recent appeal to the International Court of Justice regarding Israel, yes. Um, and, and whether the West likes it or not, I think South Africa has indicated that uh, it has the potential, it has the capacity, and it is ready to at least speak, if not for itself, um, then for the, for the interests of the African countries. We have, uh, history is very clear with examples of, um, of, um, of abuse, of intervention, um, history is very clear with examples of West interfering in the internal affairs of, um, of the developing world. Many times, not even with meaningful suggestions or even policies, the policies clearly favor uh, the, the, those who are intervening. And so I think that when South Africa gets up to speak about the evils um, that um, Israel is committing against uh, Palestine, Yes, it is to say that we understand that Palestine may have uh, made the first attempt on Israel, uh, but Palestine has now felt what it means to make a first attempt. And so let's be mindful of the humanitarian catastrophe. Let's be mindful of the, of the need for peace. Let's be mindful of those who are disinterested in the war that have now become, you know, victims and are caught in the middle of this war. And so I, I think that um, South Africa is growing and probably with it and through it, other countries could also have their voices heard. Uh, already we have seen Egypt, we have seen um, Senegal, uh, which are saying no to the, to the, to the um, deliberately sustained war approach of the West in, uh, in Ukraine against Russia or for what many people say, Russia against Ukraine. 
All right, Dr. Anne, thanks for the insight. And finally, what steps could be taken to ensure that a wider range of perspectives are represented in discussions about the Ukrainian conflict? And how can this help to achieve a more sustainable peace? I think we need to have a, a liberal approach here to the resolution of the resolving of this of this conflict, the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, but also many other conflicts that are, have now hit the, the global the global scene. Because um, to dismiss a, uh, entirely the views coming from Africa is basically to take away 54 countries from the African continent and many more others that are coming from the global south. And, and, and yet majority of the people are in this developing world. And, and, and um, the, the, the effects of this war may not be direct, but they are felt in terms of uh, economy, they are felt in terms of travel, in terms of migration. They are felt in terms of exchange of expertise and, 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 you know, support that would have come through for infrastructural development for, among others. So um, the approach that should be taken, the steps that could be taken is, first of all, the, the need to realize that not only are Western countries, you know, the... the um, not only are Western countries, the, the Western countries are not the only ones that uh, feel the pinch of this conflict. They feel it and everyone else feels it. So for the good of everyone, we should look at something more common uh, that takes into consideration the interests of all, uh, whether directly involved or not. But also United Nations, which I understand will be I will find it very difficult to implement, but United Nations needs to move in very fast um, and condemn the acts really, uh, whether a country is supporting directly or indirectly. Uh, there should be condemnation of those who are supporting the conflicts around the world, especially when it is um, a, a bigger power against the other, or even when it is a formation of alliances um, for offensive purposes, as the case is, Ukraine and, and USA against Russia or, or, or Israel supported by USA against Palestine, I think it is wrong. Uh, absolutely, they, we need the United Nations Security Council, which is going to be very tricky because the, the countries which would have um, moved um, to have, to have uh, the UN Security Council move in are the very countries which are at the center. But we need to have global and not global regional efforts. The European Union needs to come in and say no enough is enough. The African Union needs to move uh, as a single voice. Uh, you may have seen that um, when we had the non-aligned movement meeting in Kampala, it wasn't even very clear on whether you know there were genocide crimes being committed in Palestine by Israel. It, it was vague, you know, it was just left there. And so if countries cannot condemn the acts uh, on an individual basis, then the voices can come through, um, can come through at a regional, regional level. I hope that. For those of you who have just tuned in, welcome to the Afroverdict podcast. I'm your host, Victor Anakin, and we are now jumping over to more positive news, Russia has sent a shipment of humanitarian aid in the form of fertilizer to Nigeria. And this shipment is now being unloaded at Nigeria's Ono port. 
That said, we are now jumping over to Professor Emmanuel Remy Ayede, academic at the Department of Political Science of the University of Ibadan, to get an expert's opinion on the benefits of this shipment. Professor Ayede, welcome to the Afrovertic Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you join me today. So recently, 34,000 tons of free Russian fertilizer has arrived in Nigeria and is being unloaded at the port of One as a part of the commitments Russia has made to several African countries. So what do you think is the significance of this shipment to Nigeria? I think it has a great significance uh, if you know that uh, fertilizer has always been a huge problem uh, in Nigeria. Um, uh, it's always at the front line of a uh, discussion of uh, food security as well as um, uh, trying to in- improve on uh, the productivity of the agricultural sector. Uh, it's a big deal, even when uh, the current president of the African Development Bank, uh, Dr. Adishina, was the Minister of Agriculture in Nigeria, uh, fertilizer was a major issue that they needed to address. Last year, uh, the president promised uh, farmers, um, while meeting with the uh, Farmers Association, that he uh, was going to bring the price of uh, fertilizer down by 50%. And in the hope that uh, that would be a major boost uh, to agriculture. So the uh, deal with Russia has been advertised as a major um, intervention to help them realize that that objective. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal for, for the agricultural sector and also for the government uh, in, in their need of um, bringing such inputs. Uh, into farming uh, in Nigeria. Okay, Prof, um, could you perhaps elaborate a little bit more on how these fertilizers will help Nigerian agriculture and the people per se? Yeah, you know, uh, fertilizers are very uh, important input into uh, into farming, especially in the northern part of Nigeria, uh, where uh, um, commercial farming uh, is 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 very high and a huge part of, of the uh, not just the local economy but also the, for the means of uh, income and survival for uh, ordinary people uh, from the middle belt of Nigeria which we describe as the food basket uh, of Nigeria uh, that's where you have the concentration of uh, for the production of Nigeria's staple foods. And you know that um, uh, the uh, agricultural production has reduced in those areas. Find that fertilizer will be a major boost uh, to trying to fill some of the gap that has been created uh, by this by the multiple countries that has gripped that part of the country. So there are a, a lot of challenges uh, to agricultural production in that food basket area of, of Nigeria, uh, because of the multiple conflict, we have the headsmen farmers conflict. Then we also have the problem of uh, uh, terrorism uh, and banditry in those areas. So uh, the uh, impact of these uh, factors on agriculture has been very great, and then Nigeria is seriously concerned about the uh, issues of food security. So uh, even getting any input at all uh, into agricultural production in those areas are very vital. And we also, you also know probably a lot of people do that um, local production of fertilizer has always depended on uh, potash from from Russia, uh, and uh, now. Uh, you have this Najis coming from uh, Russia. So it's a big deal uh, for the government and to, it, 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 it could go far uh, in their pledge to, uh, to farmers, to the Farmers Association, uh, that they are going to uh, bring down the price of fertilizer by 50%. So it's, it's very important. 
impute uh, to farmers. Right, Prof. Thank you very much uh, for that. Now, if we zoom out and go into a more global agenda, the collective West if you could allow such a term, doesn't seem to appreciate the rapprochement and the intensification of relations between Africa and Russia. What is your explanation for this phenomenon? Russia has not uh, had very strong um, interventions or, or presence in African countries uh, since the uh, collapse of the uh, the, cold, the end of the Cold War, uh, the collapse of the Berlin Wall, as we, as we say it. Uh, and uh, uh, the place of Russia has actually been taken over uh, by China because, you know, uh, during the day of the Cold War for the Soviet Union versus the West, especially led by the United States. Uh, but uh, since the collapse of the Cold War, the West came uh, and became the dominant force in many African countries until China started making inroads. And, you know, people tend to make a distinction between uh, what China does and what the Western powers uh, did in Africa. They talk about uh, China's investment in infrastructure uh, uh, and that people can see and uh, they, they think that that's a better kind of investment than the West giving us money that is swallowed up by corruption uh, and uh, uh, politicians and government officials. Uh, and because of that, uh, the visibility of China uh, became a very high in African countries. But of course, the uh, intervention of China also came with huge debts, but at least people can see uh, the infrastructures in terms of railway lines, in terms of airports, in terms of uh, roads, construction, and so on, which are directly done by Chinese companies, and, and people can see that intervention. Uh, so the Chinese tend to loom larger than uh, uh, Russia in the post-Cold War uh, period. So uh, with the disillusionment uh, with, with democracy, with the challenges uh, that have come with the performance of politicians in, after the recent wave of democratic, uh, uh, the spread of democracy across the continent. Uh, China has, in fact, uh, uh, become an alternative uh, place to go uh, when we talk, uh, talk about uh, economic support or, or, or support uh, by foreign powers. And, and what has happened now is that with the situation in, in Ukraine, Russia is beginning to uh, spread its uh, seek support uh, within the continent, and that's why you see uh, many of the coup plot, uh, coup guitars in in West Africa, for instance. When they see that uh, uh, they have serious challenges with uh, mm -hmm. uh, the West, especially uh, those the support of ECOWAS for democracy and the appeal to the West to support what ECOWAS does within the, the sub-region. Uh, you see that uh, Russia is beginning to offer a succor to those coup plotters. And, and so uh, it, it seems uh, Russia is pushing forward, you know, to seek support of African countries uh, in its uh, intervention in Ukraine vis-a-vis uh, -vis the, uh, the support that the Western world uh, provide for, for Ukraine. So, uh, yes, this is also part of the initiative by Russia uh, to begin to uh, take a place, you know, in the power play going on uh, within the African continent. And, uh, you know, the coup plotters have uh, embraced Russia and it's also a good thing uh, for Russia that uh, they can also offer some kind of aid or, 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 or relief to African countries who are in their need of increasing uh, or reducing food insecurity. All right, Professor Ayedi, thank you very much for that. Now, lastly, if we still speak about the grain, last year, 
Russia pledged 200,000 tons of grain free of charge to be delivered to several African countries. And during the last months, the grain has already arrived in Eritrea, Somalia, Burkina Faso. It's on its way to Zimbabwe. How do you estimate this particular initiative? Well, I think it's a welcome initiative because uh, the poverty is high in, in many countries in Africa. In fact, uh, in Nigeria, uh, many factors have accounted for the deepening of poverty, especially uh, food. Uh, if you The fiscal crisis that we are going through uh, now has resulted in the devaluation of our currency and the importation has become extremely unaffordable. So uh, I think it's been reported in the media uh, as a major uh, uh, intervention to reduce uh, uh, inflation as far as grain, grain, food inflation as far as grain is concerned. And uh, uh, the governments, especially governments who are pressed hard, you know, to do something about uh, the deepening uh, poverty among the large uh, population, uh, which actually uh, embrace such, such gestures uh, and consider it uh, a major uh, help. What it then means is that uh, it's likely to attract more sympathy to Russia as a, a, as a country uh, that cares about um, poverty and hunger in Africa. Thank you for joining Afro Verdict from Sputnik Africa, everyone. I hope you found today's episode interesting. And now that you have some food for thought, be my guest to head over to the Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account, and other socials to stay updated on the topics we've discussed today. To listen to previous podcast episodes, check them out on popular podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Pocket Cast, AfriPods, CastBox, of course, Podcast Addicts. There's that for today, everyone. This is your host, Victor Anakin, signing off. I'll see you next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.